Startup Life Hacks, episode 17. Luck is kind of guaranteed over time if you put yourself in the right situation over and over again. Welcome. Welcome to Startup Life Hacks. Ever wondered if you have what it takes to start a business? Join us as we share with you inspiring stories from these amazing entrepreneurs. Let their journeys bring you one step closer to achieving success. And now, here's your host, Romel Cabal. What up, Hacker Nation? This is Romel Cabal, the host of Startup Life Hacks, and I'm excited to introduce you to our next guest, Derek Haney. And it's really interesting how we met. I was cruising along inside a co-working space in downtown San Diego, and for those of you who don't know what a co-working space is, it's basically a shared working environment where people can work individually on their business and share their value with other business owners as well. So if you're looking to connect with entrepreneurs around your community, I would highly suggest finding a local co-working spot. Now back to our guest. Derek is a serial entrepreneur working his way up to a keynote speaker. He is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and startup founders growth hack their way to success. He started the company Splash Online Presence Management with the goal of helping 10,000 entrepreneurs successfully set up profitable inbound marketing funnels and get their first 10,000 subscribers. So Derek, there's a lot of cool stuff happening with you right now. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a, a really cool intro. I'm, I'm so excited to be doing that. Um, I am a definitely an entrepreneur at heart. You know, in college, I started playing poker and I loved it. And all my friends went home for the summer and I decided to get some poker books and I deposited some money online. That money turned into more money. And then before I knew it, I was spending more time playing poker than actually focusing on school, and I was making enough money to pay all my bills. That led me into a 10-year uh, career as a professional poker player, author, coach. I still write for a column uh, on Card Player Magazine. And, but I knew that I didn't really want to be a professional poker player. It was just the, the money and the timing. I graduated college in 2008, had driven me there. And so as when my wife got pregnant and I was looking for an exit and I'd been reading, you know, tons of business and marketing books. I found this little niche game that's called open face Chinese poker. And I decided that I knew a lot about card games and combinatorics and education in that space. And I would make, you know, like the first educational site based around this game. So I partnered with a guy who's an expert at, at making simulators online. And, and we made this cool backend and educational tool for people. But I quickly realized, you know, if you build it, they will come isn't how it works, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like we, uh, so I, I realized that it wasn't good enough to just have this product out there. And it's still a pretty mediocre front end and not the greatest product. I'm not, I'm not extremely proud of it yet, but, um, but I realized that I needed to become a better digital marketer and I needed to know how to sell online and, you know, landing page design and marketing funnels and blog posts and SEO, that buzzword that I hate but it always comes up in conversation. I, I picked up my wife as the creative director, as she's an artist, graphic designer, and we started growing this digital marketing agency. And we quickly, well, I guess not quickly, five months into it, just we're just now really solidifying the groundwork, but we've decided to pivot from being this kind of 
uh, Jack of all trades digital marketing agency to, and we've, we've niched it up a bit. We call ourselves a growth marketing agency now, which I think separates us a lot from all of these, you know, SEO agencies, digital marketing agencies, social media agencies and stuff. We're now focused completely at people that are at the start of their business. And we feel that we can help most people in the beginning because that's where you make most of your mistakes. And so we're just really passionate about not making the same mistakes we made, not making uh, not making costly mistakes that can really ruin a business. And so when we kind of looked at our passions and who we wanted to help, which was entrepreneurs who are hungry and motivated, we uh, we decided, you know, we need to rebrand this agency so that it fits our lifestyle really more than anything. Uh, yeah, me from a kid to today <laughs> in, in five minutes. <laughs> Very cool. Well, who is that someone that you looked up to or currently looking up to right now? Yeah, so my biggest idol right now, and I, I'm really proud to say it because he doesn't know it yet. I, I probably dream about messaging this guy like 10 times a week, and I'll probably will get around to it. His name is Marcus Sheridan. Online, he's at the sales lion, and he's just really a powerful speaker. He has a great podcast as well called the Mad Marketing Podcast. It's, I mean, it's not necessarily for you or everyone, but it, it just fit the bill for me really well. And when I, I heard this guy speak at Social Media Marketing World back in March, uh, some of the things he said changed the direction of my business. And I've been following him ever since. And he, he just has powerful messages. He's really down to earth and he knows what he's talking about. Every time I listen to this guy, I get some sort of big nugget or takeaway that just makes me a better person. And, and it's really crazy how, how good he is at what he does. Cool. Now, I could probably guess what this next answer is, but what are a few of your favorite hobbies? Uh, so poker is not my favorite hobby. So oh, I, okay. <laughs> I, I played poker professionally for 10 years. I think when you do anything for 10 years, uh, it, it, you know, the latter five, it's definitely a job. There, there's uh, and everything you do, you know, can can really feel like a job at some point. You know, as an entrepreneur, you think that you can just live a free lifestyle. But at some point, you're going to do something you don't want to do get bogged down with some work when you want to go outside and have fun. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I don't have a ton of free time, but a few things that I do when I'm not working is I love to go hiking with my wife. We, we've gone all around San Diego and other places. Uh, I hang out with my wife and son and we, you know, go to the park and go to the dog park. I, I do enjoy those kinds of activities, and sometimes a lot, some of my best, because I'm, I'm still thinking about work. I never really shut it off, which is probably a, a leak, a flaw of mine. But uh, some of my best ideas come from when I'm just hanging out, you know, with the family doing something. Then I go to my phone, and I just quickly, you know, email myself or Evernote or something like that, write it down, an idea, and then I go back to it later and fine tune it, and it can become a new direction for my business, a new product or something like that. So you know, those kinds of activities are really helpful to keep keep me calm and, and cool. And at the same time, they can spawn some of the best business ideas for me. I mean, these activities, these, uh, these hobbies that you do, these are the moments when these ideas pop up and, you know, may become the next best thing. Yeah, absolutely. Other than that, I do uh, enjoy drinking games. <laughs> Still, at 30 years old, I uh, beer pong, and there's a game called Beer Die that I'm a big fan of. I don't get to play them as much as I used to, but, uh, you know, they're, they're fun games. I like them. I don't know what to tell you. And we, now we don't even play with alcohol. Usually we're just like have a side beer and we're just, you know, 
we're taking it really mellow as opposed to the college days where it was, you know, oh, we're going to fill the cups to the top. We're going to get so hammered tonight. It's, yeah. it's kind of calmed down a bit, but I do enjoy uh, drinking as a hobby, going out to the bars a, a bit and sitting in my house and watching TV every night and unwinding that way with a show like Survivor or even The Prophet or Shark Tank or something like that. I think I just found a new beer pump partner. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we're not going to concentrate on how this business got started. And maybe some of my listeners can use the same tactics once they start their own venture. So what strategies did you use to fund your business? Uh, in the beginning, I focused you know, completely on education and just got a client and realized that I needed to learn a lot of stuff. And then there became a point where I knew that I wanted to take the leap. I needed to stop playing poker in order to, uh, in order to make this passion of mine a success. At some point, I think everyone has to take this leap because you can't do two things at once. And it actually, as I noticed I, that I was, you know, focusing more and more on digital marketing, I'd stopped studying poker and my game dropped off dramatically. My win rate got cut in half and maybe even in half again. So I was, I was making, you know, 180 or so dollars an hour. It quickly dropped to 150 and then 120 and then 100 and then I was under $100 an hour. And it was all because... I didn't care as much. I, I could feel it too as it, as it happened. And so it would have, it probably, you know, it, it would always be ideal if you could, you know, have a pile of money saved up and jump ship at that point. But sometimes it doesn't work like that. And uh, when I knew that I needed to jump ship, I knew that we would need an investment because that was the only way we could kind of skyrocket it to a point where I could then have a sustainable business, which by the way, we're still working on. I have a lot of friends with money. As you might imagine, around the poker table, I've got a few friends that are angel investors and a friend of mine who works in the email marketing space. His name is Seth Gottlieb. I went to his house and we actually played poker at his house and then we, uh, we drank a little bit. And uh, he knew that I was there to, to pitch him the business and, and, uh, and get him to buy a piece of equity. And so we're sitting in the, in the spa and I'm, I've had a few drinks and my wife is there and his wife is there <laughs> and we've got a couple of friends there. And so I, I start pitching uh, our concept, our digital agency concept, which actually back then we were saying that we would look into the concept of opening a storefront digital marketing agency where people could walk in and choose products off the wall to buy. Like, hey, I'd like $500 in Facebook ads today. And so he saw, you know, a lot of passion in me and really believed in me. So he made an investment of $50,000 into us really, really early on. And, we, you know, I wanted to sell it at 5% and he uh, negotiated quite well for 15%, which is a huge chunk to give away in the start. But we couldn't have this business without him. And I also, it was on the contingency that, you know, I get advice from him basically whenever I need. So he's, he's my on-call employee and mentor. And, um, and so it's been a great partnership with us. So I was able to, to lock in a deal with him early. We didn't have financials. We didn't have, we didn't have much of a plan other than a few things we had written down, a brand and a, uh, we had, we had incorporated, but we barely had a website. We barely knew what we were doing. And so he got in early with us, which I think justifies the 15%. Now I'd like you to dive deeper into the subject because a lot of my listeners will probably have problems with this. So how are you able to divide up the equity and what types of strategies would you suggest for people who are looking for funding? Like, how do you allocate that equity? So we, we looked at, you know, what do we have today and how valuable 
is me working for three years and my wife working for three years because that's basically all we had in the beginning. So we said, you know, what's what would a good salary be for me for three years and a good salary for my wife be for three years? And we said, if that's how much, you know, we're worth, then that's how much the company is worth plus a little for the company, maybe a little bit of an original concept, something along those lines. And technically, we, my wife and I did split the equity, but we've talked about it as co-founders and, I, uh, and we agree that I deserve more equity than her because I'm the original founder, I am the driving force of the business. So splitting equity between founders is really tricky and, and it comes down to negotiating and, and really objectively looking at who is the best, who's gonna make the biggest difference, who's the most committed to it. If it's everybody equal, you know, it doesn't matter who came up with the idea. Maybe 1% to 5% uh, additional equity for the idea, maybe zero. So don't be like, oh, I came to him with an idea, now we're co-founders and he wants 50%. Well, you both are about to go down this crazy journey, so he should probably get 50% because the idea doesn't mean crap. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't like to hear that. And so as we, so when we turned to, for funding, we estimated you know, with an idea and two passionate people working for X amount of time that we would be, also we looked at valuations of other companies, which I think was a mistake because um, it's really internally about valuations. But we looked at startups are getting crazy valuations out the door with just an idea and a couple of people. And so we said, we're worth a million dollars. And uh, and Seth said, you guys are so early. You know, you don't have much going on here, but I believe in you. And so he talked us down to 15% of 50. I think it was that's 350,000 or 400. So he cut our valuation by 66%. And when I looked at what we did have and, and how he had valued us, I, I thought it was a little greedy on his part. I'm not surprised. He's, he's a good negotiator, and that's, and that's uh, <laughs> how it worked. But you know we, know we know that we need the capital in order to succeed. We know that uh, his expertise and his ability to fund us later on, as he's, he's a multi-millionaire success himself, him just being there and being able to say, we've got an advisor locked in, actually increases our business. So kind of a post-money valuation if, if we're 350,000 beforehand, we're probably closer to a million after he's funded us, after he's agreed to be, come in there because of the strengths of having him backing us. So we took, we, we went ahead and, and made a big sacrifice early on. Uh, it, it certainly could come back to bite us in the butt, but based on our position and how much money we could put into the business ourselves and how much experience we had, which truthfully, I have tons of experience in business and marketing and entrepreneurship, ups and downs, highs and lows. But, you know, I don't have any corporate world experience. I don't have any managerial experience, very little at least. And I, I don't have any digital marketing agency experience. So you look at that side of it, it's very risky. Um, he just knows that I'll figure it out, you know, and I think that's, the, that's something that I can do. I can definitely figure it out despite not having the experience. So it, it was, uh, you know, structuring how you put your offer in there, expect them to always cut it down, but don't just aim high to aim high. You need to prove that you're worth a million dollars. And and then when they say, nah, I don't see that worth a million, I see it worth this, you have to understand that from their point of view, they're probably telling you about the truth. Right, thank you for that. Now, describe a moment in your startup when you felt like giving up. What was it that kept you going and who and what motivated you to keep trying? There's a, definitely a lot of times that you feel like this isn't working and it's worthless. You know, we have we have a small child in our home and we moved from a four bedroom house to a two bedroom house, sold a car and went into debt for our business. 
we, we've definitely sacrificed a lot. I could have taken, ironically, the safe road would be to continue playing poker. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so safe. Yeah, yeah, very safe road. Uh, and, and we did a lot of things, but I remember one night in particular was a frustrating night. The baby was crying. You know, we were still figuring out our business in the early stages. And, and it was just like murderous, a feeling inside of you that you just hate like a failure and it, it just hurts and you feel like, you know, I can, I should just give up right now. I don't know what necessarily motivates me to keep going <laughs> inside of me. I know that I can, I can absolutely succeed. And I understand that there are always highs and lows in life and in business. And sometimes they collide together where your business lows and your life lows really, really come at you in full swing. And I, I think just acknowledging what I, the variance train is what you call it in poker, acknowledging that that moment will come, but there will be another moment where uh, you'll have great success and that will come as well. And the idea is that in your worst moments, you need to shave off the bottom end of the worstness by you know picturing a positive light, but also in your best moments, and this is so true in poker, you need to keep your cool because it's going to go on from here and you know it's going to drop off and you can't just go, you know, celebrate, you know, for the next five days. You have to keep working on, on that. So uh, in the highs and lows, it's kind of your job as the entrepreneur to even things out so that you're in a nice, uh, you, you stable and steady upward motion. Now, you've talked about your worst moments. Now, tell us a great success you've had as an entrepreneur. Definitely locking, I guess, locking in funding is always good. But uh, I've, I've had three... Uh, six-figure days as a professional poker player. One of them was at a final table of a WSOP event. And that felt pretty good. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't necessarily the most exciting thing, as you might imagine, because I didn't win the tournament, So, but I made a lot of money. Um, so when you don't win the tournament, you're like, ah, oh, shucks, I didn't win a million dollars. But you're still walking away with something that's pretty substantial. And so you're like, Okay. Yeah, I'd say that's that's still pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, the best failing prize ever, I guess. Those moments of success were all, you know, just the top side of variance. And I, I did, I felt great about them, but I also felt like they were well-deserved because I had put in years of hard work to get lucky enough to, uh, to final table a tournament. And my definition of luck is an equation. Luck is a combination of both opportunity plus preparation. So that's exactly what you were, you were doing with, uh, with poker. So Yeah. Luck is kind of guaranteed over time if you put yourself in the right situation over and over again. Uh, you know, finding a business opportunity or a partner, you're, you're going to get lucky. If, uh, you know, if you only have a 5% chance of finding them, let's say, at this networking event, then it's not going to necessarily happen this time. But if you go to enough networking events, you might find the right person or partner. And so that's how, that's how luck works can be sought after or how you can you know get lucky is by just putting yourself in good opportunities time and time again and being prepared for them cool now where to see your company five years from now ideally uh we would we would like to be closer in five years uh, cl uh definitely closer to something that might resemble more of a vc combined with the marketing agency where we can invest in startups and companies bring them into our umbrella, perhaps, and then help them grow the marketing side of their business while the uh, startup founders are focused more on product or tech or something along those lines. 
Now we're going to enter the superhero round. So what is your entrepreneur superpower? In other words, what is your greatest strength? Definitely. My greatest strength, without a doubt, is that I am an expert decision maker. Uh, and what that means is that w- when I can, I can ascertain what criteria I need to know to make a decision, and then I, will, I, I can make the best informed decision and execute on it. And when you're dealing with things, a lot of unknowns, a lot of variables or moving parts, this comes down to like assigning probabilities to various outcomes of a situation. And that's really what I, I focus in uh, in my, my first book, Quantum Poker, um, was, was doing that for poker. But, uh, and in my next book that I'm currently titled Play Your Business Like a Poker Player, I'm going to break down how you can do that in business where you look at the you know, probable stages of an outcome, such as you know, when my investor made a $50,000 investment in my business, he said, you know, it'll drop to zero this percent, it'll trickle, you know, out and maybe I'll make 50,000 back this percent, it'll skyrocket to 10 million in three years, uh, this percent of the time. And that's how you get to a $50,000 valuation for 15% or for 5% is by having this probabilistic attitude of all of the possible outcomes, while at the same time taking all of the input, all of the factors that are that you need to make the decision and making an objective decision instead of how you feel it's actually going to uh, you know, happen. So you, you got to really you know, separate yourself from, from the decision. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side of the pillow, what would you say is your kryptonite? I'm, I don't have any experience managing other people. And sometimes I set ridiculously high expectations for others that I couldn't even expect myself to ever perform at. So I think that um, it's not that I, I, I think I'm good at working with other people. But I sometimes maybe get frustrated over, you know, when like uh, we, we actually did this the other day and I, this is not I wasn't frustrated with you at all. But I was uh, I was screen sharing with you, trying to help you with something. And, uh, you know, I can see that there's a button here and I'm like, click that button. And you haven't seen it yet, which is totally fine. But sometimes <laughs> sometimes I get a little impatient or, or uh, antsy about stuff like that in more of a maybe a little bit more of a macro sense with with other people. Uh, where I, I do expect everyone to like move at the speed of light, even though that's not possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. <laughs> and I remember that really well. It's like, it's the button to the left. I'm like, where? I don't see it. The one to the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my description is so vague. Obviously, it's, it's like mostly my fault as a manager or as the person guiding you for, uh, for not explaining myself more clearly. <laughs> now, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? The uh, I, def- I definitely love all the superpowers. I'm a huge fan of you know shows like Heroes and X Men and all that stuff. Um, the one that I think is the most attainable, in fact, I'm I'm kind of betting my life on it, is that uh, I'll, I will in the next fifty years have the ability to stop aging. So that's Ooh. what uh, there might be scientific breakthroughs in, in that field where I will no longer have to fear dying of old age. So that that's the power I want desperately. Fountain of youth. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, we are not entering the final questions of the interview. And these are the tools that you would recommend that would really help our listeners rise to their feet and get started. Now, what is one favorite tool that you use in your business and would recommend to our listeners? Our favorite uh, project management tool is Asana. And I use that, you know, pretty much every day to keep track of what we need to be doing. And we also use that in conjunction with Time Doctor for tracking our time use on stuff. Um, I, I can't even give one. I, I also, Grammarly is great for 
you know, typing emails and making sure your punctuation <laughs> and, and, and uh, phrasing is correct. There, there's so many great tools out there. I, I wrote a blog post called 24 Online Marketing Tools like, that you have to use and stuff like that. We use SumoMe if you own a website and you, you're looking for social sharing. That's a cool free app that you can plug in and, and it helps the shareability of blog posts and stuff. And it, it's really clean and neat. There's a there's hundred others I could go on. Now, what is your favorite book? Um, I think that a book that really opened my mind to to startups and to approaching it the right way was The Lean Startup. And I'm, I'm sure other people recommend this book, but I just can't get by enough. By Eric Reese. Yeah, by Eric Reese. I can't get enough of this book. And I also I have this pet peeve when people use the word lean the wrong way because lean doesn't mean cheap, right? So some people are like, oh, you know, we, we had to do it the lean way by uh, building it ourselves, yada, yada. No, lean is customer development, right? Lean means asking a customer what they think of your product and then, you know, making a measured uh, calculation and, and, and then changing your product based on that feedback that you're getting. So, so lean is about not going into the shop and building a product for six months. Lean is about going and getting a customer first and then figuring out the product, you know, but based on the customer's input. And when you do that, when you build an audience first, uh, and that's, that's really what I'm all about. It's also called the content ink approach. You can, you can know how to structure your product better based on them and it'll resonate a lot more and you, you can see success and you can avoid so much failure. I mean, there's so many apps that, you know, people go into the tank and they build for six months. They come out to the world and this is what I did with my first one. I mean, I, I, I kind of had, did a little bit of the lean way. We had a pre-launch list and stuff, but uh, you, you release it to the world and you go and, and then, you know, no one shows up or the, it, it wasn't what the answer, it didn't solve the problem that they actually had. It wasn't exactly what they were looking for. It, it didn't, the messaging wasn't right. There's so many ways it can go wrong. So the lean startup and actually applying the principles in the book to your business is a game changer. So lean is iterations and iterations of customer feedback. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now here's an interesting one. What would you dare to dream if you knew that you could not fail? Um, interstellar space travel or even a, a smaller stepping stone might be going to Mars or the moon. <laughs> <laughs> would you ever do that? Uh, I think it's called one way where it's just like a one way trip to Mars. No, I, I, uh, that's why I need to live forever. That's why I, that's my goal is to have the superpower to ah, live there forever. You go. I can't, I can't go one way. I need to, uh, I, I need to preserve my life. But if I knew I couldn't fail, <laughs> I'd go to Mars and come back. <laughs> See, now we're putting the pieces together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, so for people who want to start up their own business, what would be the key pieces of advice that you would give? You need to learn every single day and you need to be able to handle the highs and lows of your business because you will sit in your kitchen and cry one day and then another day you'll get a check for $50,000 and you'll need to not spend all that money at once and you'll need to preserve that. So you need to be respectful of the variance that you'll be facing in your business. Yeah, I probably cry once a day, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good solid cry, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man cry. Now, give our listeners one action step that they can do right now to get started. Uh, read a book or watch a YouTube video on something pertaining to your topic or business. Tons of great people out there to get advice from. Uh, Neil Patel, I mentioned Marcus Sheridan and his podcast for marketers. Um, if that's uh, if you're on that side, social media, Michael Stelzner 
has a great podcast called Social Media Marketing. This podcast is a great way to do it. So if you're listening to this one, there's just you you need to find as much time in the day as you can to learn because you're going to be pressed for time to actually execute on your idea. So every waking minute that you can, you need to be focused on learning more to grow your business and it just never shuts off. Now, what is the best way that we could follow you and learn more about Splash OPM? So our blog, which is we call the Splash U blog, uh, you can find it splashopm.com forward slash blog. And that's for people, you know, that are just at the start looking to grow uh, their audience and grow their following using the growth marketing tactics that we've used and we've seen others use quite well uh, for me. And you can follow that account on Twitter it's at Splash OPM, uh, all one word. And then for me, I'm at Six Peppers on Twitter. Uh, you can definitely reach out to me there. I love to chat and hang out on Twitter, answer questions. I ask a lot of questions. I, I hang out there quite a bit. Thank you, Derek, for being a guest on my show. We appreciate your time and wisdom. But here at Startup Life Hacks, we have a saying to help motivate our listeners who are on this entrepreneur journey that it's okay to fail and it's okay to struggle. So let's close by reminding Hacker Nation what our motto is and say it with extreme enthusiasm. Hacker Nation, you need to stay positive and keep grinding. Thank you so much for joining me today on Startup Life Hacks. To see how to get in touch with Derek as well as the tools and books he recommended, navigate over to Shona's page at startuplifehacks.com slash Derek. That's D-E-R-R-I-C. But before we close... I'd like to go over some key takeaways and lessons learned from this interview. Luck can play a role in the success of a business, but it's the work that you put in during the beginning that sets the stage for luck to happen. My definition of luck is that luck is a combination of both preparation and opportunity. Hone your skills, and once the opportunity presents itself, you are well equipped to take your business to the next level. Let me know what you think about this comment, what it means to you, and if you like what we're doing, show some love by giving us a rating review on iTunes. And for more inspiration, go to startuplifehacks.com. And as always, stay positive and keep grinding.